Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 2 11, sorry I don't know where I got 2 from Welcome back to episode 11 of the Bulky Blue podcast Now, today is going to be a bit of a different one Um, Ultimately I couldn't do the review of the Spurs game Which I wanted to do Um, I was, put it Put it honestly, I was just super busy and I couldn't do it, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to give the rundown of what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to do it literally right now. So, firstly will be the Spurs review, as I've just said. Secondly will be the Roman Empire, Empire at Chelsea, um, going over some of the key stats for the 1,000 matches we've had as uh, under Roman Abramovich's tenure um, as owner. <coughs> and then I will be going into the preview for Sevilla tomorrow in the Champions League. Now, going over some of the key stats, we had 13 shots, 3 on target. They had 5 shots, 1 on target. We both had 3 corners apiece. We had three offsides, they had one offside. We had four yellow cards, they had two yellow cards. We had 60% possession, they had 40. So, our lineup as well was Mendy in goal, James Silva, James Silva, Zuma, Chili B, Kante, Kovacic, Mount, Ziesh, Tammy, and Timo. With Pulisic coming on. Giroud coming on and Havertz coming on replacing the entire front three. <clears throat> the subs were late, as they seem to be quite often under Frank Lampard. Um, <clears throat> but ultimately, we didn't lose, which is what we wanted. More than, well, <clears throat> I say what we wanted, it's what we will take, because losing to Tottenham is one of the worst feelings in the world. For a Chelsea fan, but we should have known they had to come to Stamford Bridge to pick up a point, and they did just that. But ultimately, they shouldn't have done. Um, <clears throat> there was a few times Reese James put in an absolute peach of a cross. Tammy didn't do anything with it, and there was one right like ninety second minute. I think it was Giroud had a chance and didn't finish it and ultimately I think Giroud's chance if that was Tammy he scores it same as I think Tammy's chances if Giroud had them Giroud scores them but it is what it is we sit third in the Premier League behind only Tottenham and Liverpool we've got a better goal difference in Liverpool uh, we're, we're trailing them by two points like we're trailing them both but We really need to focus on rotation now because our December schedule is completely messed up. We've got Sevilla, which, as I've said, is going to be a preview in a sec. But then we've got Leeds. Then we've 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 got like ten games in December. I think it is or something, maybe even more than that. But just after Christmas, we play on the twenty sixth and the twenty eighth. Against Arsenal and Villa. And 
mean, ultimately our schedule is going to be rapid fire, but I think we've got the squad to cap- uh, to cope with it. Um, <coughs> whether I'm right or wrong is yet to be seen. But we're 14 unbeaten. And hopefully it just keeps going and going and going. Make it 15, then 16, then 17, then 18. All the way to the end of the season. Hopefully. I doubt it will happen, but one can hope. But <clears throat> moving swiftly on to the Roman Empire. Now, under Roman Abramovich... We have played 1,000 matches. We have 608 wins, 216 draws, 176 losses. So we've got a 60.8 win percentage, 21.6% draw, and 17.6% loss. Now, we have scored in that time. 1,903 goals, and we have conceded 496 goals. Now, you look at our overall percent win percentage as a club, and our overall win percentage is 44.3%. So, since Abramovich has been at Chelsea... We have been exceeding our win percentage, basically, which we we knew. We're not we're not stupid. We knew. Um, a lot of people deem it as buying the league, but <clears throat> nowadays, that's how it's done, basically. But you look at, seen in the last ten years or so. Granted, yes, we have bought a lot of players, but our net spend is less than the likes of Arsenal, Man United, even Liverpool. We've got a net spend less than Liverpool, but we've won more trophies. The only one we haven't won more trophies than is Man City, but they have literally just spent more in the past 10 years than Chelsea has since Abramovich has been there. So, But, but speaking of trophies under Abramovich, we have won five Premier Leagues, Five FA Cups, three League Cups, two Community Shields, two Europa Leagues, and the big one, one Champions League trophy back in 2012. Now, I can remember majority of them. Obviously, the Premier Leagues, you're looking at 04, 05, 05, 06, 09-10 under Ancelotti. You got... 14-15, so the first two and 14-15 were under Jose Mourinho, and then you had 16-17 under Antonio Conte. The five FA Cups were in Abramovich's era. What years were they? 07, 09, 10, 12, and 18. The League Cups were 05, 07, and 15. Um... The Community Shields, I'm not sure about. I'll be completely honest. Um, The two Europa Leagues, one was 2013, one was 2019. Uh, One being... The 2019 one being Mauricio Sarri's first ever trophy as a manager. (laughs) The 2013 one actually coming under Rafael Benitez 
and the 2012 Champions League we won with Andres Villas-Boas getting us to the last 16 losing 3-1 to Napoli goodbye, see you later we get Roberto Di Matteo in and we win the Champions League now in that time since Roman Bramovic took over we have had the most trophies in English football uh, or in the in the Premier League should I say with 16 trophies in that time. Man United have had 14 in the same time. Manchester City, 11. Liverpool with 7. Arsenal with 6. And then there's a few more on one trophy each, including Tottenham. Ha <laughs> wankers. But when it comes to our success that we've had under Roman Abramovich, a lot of people are going to throw... They're going to throw money at it. But, as I said, I mean, it's it's the way it's the way clubs do it now. Every, you look at the league, 95% of the time, I think barring Leicester, because that was an anomaly, it's normally the team that spends the most money on their squad wins it, basically. Um, but moving into appearances... Under um, Roman Abramovich, we've got JT with 599. We've got Lampard with 547. Czech with 494. Aspilicueta with 395. And then Didier Drogba with 381. Moving into goals, Lampard again. 196 goals of his 211 were under Roman Abramovich. Didier Drogba is second on 164 goals for Chelsea. Then Eden Hazard with 110. Then in fourth, we've got Willian on 63. And then in fifth, we've got Kalou on 60. Now, that's a big drop between Hazard and Willian. That's 43 goals. Hold on, is that 43? Yeah. 43 goal difference between Willian and Hazard. Now, it's. I think there we've got a couple of players in our squad now that can knock William and Kalu off that list. Werner being one of them, if he stays long enough, I hope he does. Um, Kai being another one, I think if he stays for a very long time, he will get more goals than Kalu and William. But then there's the likes of Mount. Tammy, you got, you got there. You got Pulisic there as well. Like, you don't see any of these players like kicking up a fuss or wanting to leave. Pretty much. So, how long they stay, they could do big things at the club, and maybe, maybe I say it, take Eden out of that top five as well. I don't. I don't see any of them taking out Didier Drogba's and Lampard's records. I'll be honest. If they do, fair enough. But I personally don't see it. But you've also got to remember, the players are still very, very young in our squad right now. And then moving on to clean sheets. Obviously, we know number one, Petacek, with 228 clean sheets for the Blues under Roman Abramovich. Next, there's a huge drop by 170 
with Tebow the Snake with 58 clean sheets. Then Cudicini with 55. Then Kepa with 33. And then Hilario with 18. You look at... That was one thing as well. Because these, these stats were put on the on the fifth stand out before the Tottenham game. And Kepa with 33. I've actually screenshot it. It's on my phone. <laughs> they put his surname. Rather than putting Ariza Balaga, they put Kepa Aspilicueta. Which I thought, personally, was quite funny. Um, but the the biggest wins we had, we've had an 8-0 twice. So, two 8-0 wins. The first one was against Wigan on the final day of the 2009-2010 season. To win... Um, I can't remember if we had the league wrapped up that day or we did it that day. And then the second one was uh, versus Villa. In 2012-13. And I remember that one. Because Fernando Fernando Torres scored an unbelievable header. In the third minute I think it was. And we had seven different scorers that day. Um, But the biggest loss. Was under Mauricio Sarri. The 6-0 away to Manchester City. Now. That City game. Was completely embarrassing. The scoreline would be the thing that's remembered the most. But for me, the most embarrassing result, or game, should I say, not result, the most embarrassing game that I've ever witnessed as a Chelsea fan is the 1-0 we suffered the season before. And we were literally, we weren't pressing Man City. We were walking. They were just literally passing among themselves and rather than pressing them, we were walking. We just didn't look like we gave a shit. And it, it really pissed me off. It pissed off thousands of Chelsea fans that I've seen on Twitter. But ultimately, the scoreline is going to be the one that's remembered. But we then went two weeks later, I think it was, drew nil-nil with them in the Carabao Cup final and lost on penalties. With the whole Kepper incident. Now. Moving into my top three matches. Under the Roman Roman Abramovich era. For me personally. The top three is so easy. It's unreal. So easy. So in number three. Battle of the Bridge. Chelsea versus Tottenham. Leicester are top of the league. If top, if Chelsea win, or it, or if Tottenham don't win, sorry, Leicester win the title. Obviously, the rivalry is there anyway, but to stop them winning the title and the way that we did it, it was a two-all draw. In fact, all three of my top three matches finished draws after ninety minutes, um, and you'll understand what I mean in a sec. The battle of the bridge going 2-0 down. And then the, the tackles flying in. The anger, the animosity, the the fight, the passion from everyone. Not not just the players, but the fans. That going going 2-0 down in the first half. And you're like, oh no, we can't. 
We can't. We can't let them. We can't let them win the league in our ground. And we fight it back. Cahill gets on the score sheet early in the second half. We move through. We then it's just a nice bit of play between Hazard and Costa, and Costa lays off Hazard on the edge of the box, curls it in top bins. I'll remember that goal. And the way, because I I remember the way I reacted. I remember seeing the way the Chelsea fans reacted in the stadium. The way the Spurs fans reacted with just sheer disappointment. It was perfect, honestly. And then it showed, because that one I wasn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to go and see live personally. But I wish I could have. Um, but seeing on TV as well. It showed a pic, uh, clip of all the Leicester players around Jamie Vardy's place and them all going up and celebrating and everything and they win the title. It was just... It was brilliant, honestly. <laughs> it's it's matches like that that make you fall in love with football. Well, for me, it is anyway. And I, could, I, could, I can re-watch that game over and over and over and ultimately... I felt sorry for Mark Clattenburg that night because the stakes were never higher for a Chelsea versus Tottenham match. He had to deal with it. How he didn't send anyone off, I don't know. The fight at the end where Gus Hiddink got shoved over and Diego Costa going absolutely mental. It was honestly insane how good that match was. But... I think as a Chelsea fan, number two and number three suit are worthy of being there, basically. And in number two spot, it's got to be Barcelona at the new Camp 2012 Champions League semi-final. <laughs> Again, it's one of those we went 2-0 down and a man down, actually, because John Terry, I don't know what he was thinking. Kneeing Sanchez in the back like that. Rightful red card. I'll say it here and now. Rightful red card. But we lost Cahill as well through injury. He pulled his hamstring. We had John Terry sent off. We had a goal down when when John Terry got sent off. Then we went 2-0 down. And you just... We were already 1-0 up from the first leg. So they're winning 2-1 on Agra. And you're just sitting there thinking, no... This is going to get ugly fast. And we're going to lose 5-6. And then who else. But the current boss. To play the most perfect. Of passes through to Ramirez. And. I don't know what was going through his head. When he lobbed Valdez. I was screwing. I was going mental. With like, why the did you do that? And and then it went in. My emotions immediately switched to, oh my god, what a goal! I went bananas basically. And then second half comes Didier Drogba of all people giving away a penalty. Lionel Messi smashing it against the bar, which up until. Up until then, he hadn't scored against Chelsea. 
and he still hadn't ever and and then we're we're sitting back we got 10 men behind the ball and that's all of 10 men because we had a man sent off remember and then Ashley Cole lumps well Torres tries running it through gets tackled comes back in Ashley Cole then launches it clear and I remember that ball just looping and looping and then the cameraman catches up to it Torres is through on goal and you're like He's not offside. He's starting his own half. Okay. There's going to be a defender there. There's not. Oh, my God. It's just him and the goalkeeper. Come on, Nando. Please. Please. Don't mess this up. You've been on a goal drought. We need this. And then he rounds Valdez and taps it in. Gary Neville on the commentary goes absolutely berserk. Everyone. I think <laughs> everyone. Probably in England at that point. Went mental. It was that run from being three one down in the in the first leg of the um last sixteen to Napoli, beating them four one the whole run through to the Champions League final and including the final itself, it it was just meant to be. We were meant to win it that year and speaking of meant to win it that that night in Munich is the best moment I've ever felt as a Chelsea fan. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. We're under the under the cosh for for 80, 82 minutes. They score in the eighty third minute, and it was in their backyard as well, their own stadium. They equal uh, they score. Sorry, eighty third minute. Thomas Muller. Never forget it for the life of me. And then seven minutes later, Mata takes a corner. The king himself, Didier Drogba, big header, top corner. We're going to extra time. We get into extra time. Drogba gives a penalty again. You come on, give us a break, please. Petacek saves it from Iron Robin. Yes, come on, we can do this. Then go to penalties, and you. The first thing that went into my head was, right, we've lost this. It's an English English team playing a German team in a penalty shootout. Chances are we're going to lose. Then we miss our first penalty. Bayern Munich score theirs. We then, I think it gets to like their, their fourth penalty. They miss. Or Czech saves it, sorry. Yeah, Czech saves it. We, we score. Then they come up for their fifth penalty. They hit the post. And how it didn't hit Czech's foot on the way back out, I don't know. But it missed. And it's all down to Didier Drogba. His last kick in a Chelsea shirt. And he puts it in the bottom corner. And we win the Champions League. And I still get goosebumps thinking of that night. I I remember dropping to the floor on my knees in tears because we had finally done it after the robbery or after the robberies that we've had in the semi-finals in the past like the ghost goal versus Liverpool the Barcelona 
semi-final in 09, actually, when Avrebo robbed us. Um, the John Terry slip in 08, the final. And it was just... It was... It, it, it's made me speechless even now just thinking about it but it, it's just honestly it's phenomenal and I still every May 19th I watched the highlights of that match at least if not the full match because it's a special night it's just it's one of those nights that don't come round very often and when they do you have to treasure them. You really do. Because, like, for us, it's our only ever Champions League win. All right, Real Madrid have got, what, 14? However, 10? I don't know. They're in double figures anyway. Liverpool, they have over, they have six or seven. Bayern Munich got six or seven. For us... It feels that much more special because it's our only one. I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to win it again. But the first one will always be the most special for me. But enough <laughs> reminiscing. I'm going to move on to the um, I'm going to move on to the uh, sorry, I'm thinking the Sevilla vs Chelsea preview. I, I had a proper mind blank there for a sec. Ch- Sevilla vs Chelsea, and this is match week five in the Champions League. We've got Leeds, and then we've got Krasnodar next week in our game week six. Both teams, Sevilla and Chelsea, are through already. Already through, done. Now it's a battle for top spot. And this match is probably going to determine who takes top spot. I think anyway. Because if we draw, we should take it. Because our goal difference is a lot better. And the head-to-head won't be... Well, our head-to-head will say two draws. The one thing we cannot do is lose. That is imperative. It's... I can't reiterate enough how much we cannot lose this match. If we lose, we need Ren to do us a favour next week. They might do. Because they want Europa League. But... I would rather put it in our own hands because if we go through on top, we can avoid Bayern Munich straight away. We can pro- we can avoid probably, I think, Barcelona as well straight away. Which, so you want, it's still Barcelona, it's still Lionel Messi. They can hurt us. Now, we could still face PSG, Real Madrid... That's if actually Real Madrid don't go down into the um, into the Europa League. Right. I'll just give a quick thing on that because 
they lost today 2-0 to Shakhtar Donetsk. It's already done. The match is finished. In fact, the 8 o'clock kickoffs have kicked off already. I don't know the scores. But Real Madrid lost that 2-0. Them and Shakhtar Donetsk are tied on points. Yeah, they so you got Borussia Mönchengladbach top of the group on eight. You got Shakhtar on seven, Real Madrid on seven. Now Shakhtar second, right in that group, on head to head. But Shakhtar have got a minus seven goal difference, and Real Madrid have got a zero goal difference. For me, that's not fair. Because you could sit there and lose seven nil to one team. And but providing you get a one nil against another, even though your goal difference is ten times worse, you go through. It it's not right for me, but it is what it is. I'll move into the other result or other predictions in a bit. As I said, they've already kicked off. It's about twenty five minutes in, so I might be completely wrong with them already. But I don't know. But my lineup will be Mendy and goal. Aspilicueta. I want to rest Reese James. We need pace against um, Jack Harrison from, and Rafinha on um, Saturday, Sunday, whenever we play Leeds. We need pace and I would play Aspie this game. Give Reese a rest so that he is 100% fully fit. And then Zuma and Silver in the middle. I would I've put Ben Chilwell here. But my own argument has just changed my mind. I want to put Emerson in there. For Sevilla. Because. Again we need pace. Rafinha is lightning quick. They, And they're going to press. We need we need our full strength eleven versus Leeds because they are seriously not to be underestimated. Moving into midfield, my midfield is Engolo Kante, Kai Havertz, and I've put here on my notes Mount slash Cover because I can't decide who's playing who ain't. And then my front three, Hudson Odoi. I've changed it again. I do I do have Ziyech here written down. Pulisic on the left. I've got Timo on my notes. Giroud up front. So my front three, Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, Giroud. Purely because Giroud deserves a start. Let's be real. Tammy was poor the other day. Doesn't mean... He deserves the abuse he's getting online because he fucking doesn't. He's been playing brilliantly lately. But rest Timo, rest Tammy. Put him on the bench so that if we, if needs must, we can bring him on. But I think Hudson Odoi, Giroud, and um, Pusic, they have enough there to beat Sevilla. We got to remember Cho and Giroud. Worked really well together that Europa League winning season. And ultimately, I think we can win. Um, 
I've put on my score prediction a 3-1 win. I think either Pulisic or Kai Havertz will score. And I think Werner will score if he starts. Um, other than that, I can't really, can't really go much more into it. I don't really, I don't really know what's going to happen. To be honest, we could go out there absolutely decimate them. We could go out there and play for a nil nil, a one one. Or we could go out there, have one of our calamitous days at the back, which we haven't seen since Southampton, completely fold and lose. Obviously, I hope it's the first where we batter them, but I highly doubt it. So we are a very good team. A very good team, actually. And they deserve a lot of credit. But that's my preview for Sevilla. Some of the predictions for the other matches you got Atletico Madrid versus Bayern Munich this week. Today, I think, actually. you got Liverpool versus Ajax. Porto versus Man City. Uh, so, them three today. I think Bayern will win 3-1. I think Liverpool beat Ajax 2-0. And I think City will beat Porto 3-1. Moving into our, our game day. We've got Krasnodar versus Wren in our group, obviously. I've gone for a 2-1 Wren win. And then United versus PSG at Old Trafford. I've gone for a 2-0 PSG win. So, that is pretty much that with when it comes to the predictions, the preview, etc. I've run down Roman's time at the club. I've done pretty much all I can do, except go again about VAR because there's a few instances at the week incidents sorry at the weekend where Liverpool versus Brighton, for example, Liverpool complaining about the Brighton penalty, right? Not the first one, the second one that got on the equaliser. Because Liverpool did drop points the other day. They're bitching and moaning about it. They got a penalty for the exact same thing like three weeks ago or whenever it was against West Ham. But they didn't moan then, did they? They didn't miss the penalty on purpose because it was a bullshit call. No, they scored it and they took the win. So it's hypocrisy at its finest. You can't sit there and say one minute is bullshit when it's going against you, but then as soon as it's going for you, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's not how it works. If you're going to stay consistent, stay consistent with it. There was another bullshit offside call with an arm being offside, which I think that was West Ham Villa game. Speaking of West Ham Villa, Jack Greenish, as good as a player he is, he is a dirty diving asshole. He gets tapped on the leg, on the right leg by four nails, takes another like two, three steps, then throws himself on the floor like he's just been shot, and he's holding his left leg. It weren't even the one that got touched. If it was the right leg and it was the one that got touched, all right, maybe, just maybe I could actually believe you. 
But to go down clutching your left leg when it was your right one that got touched? Three seconds late? Nah, man, do one. It's a load of crap. It's, it's stuff like that where players need to get banned. Stuff like Rob Holding against Wolves got booked because of a Dharma Traore falling down. Now, if it was me, what what Rob Holding said was perfect. That he's built like a brick shit house and he's going down like that. Adama Traore is one of the biggest muscular footballers in the Premier League. And yet he's going down like with a slight breeze. It's, it's bullshit. But I've said it time and time again. VAR isn't the problem. Or the technology isn't the problem. It's the idiot officials using it. As I've said countless times with the offsides. One minute is by the arm. Then the knee. Then the foot. Then the sleeve. Which one is it? Make your fucking mind up, man. Please. Because it's ruining the game. It's completely ruining the game. You score what should be a perfect late last minute equaliser. Or winner. And rather than celebrating it and going absolutely mental with passion... You're sitting there and you're like, or is he flagged? Or a VAR going to give it? It kills the game. If you want to put it in properly, have something like a challenge system like they do in tennis or like they do in American football. Where if you believe it's that bullshit, you have like a flag or something that you could throw on. Or like in tennis, they... Shout out to the umpire. Yep, umpire, thank you. Want to challenge that? They... Until then, it's just going to get stupid. Well, it's already got stupid. And I find myself doing doing and saying the same things over and over and over again. And I'm not the only one. The point is, this keeps happening. Why aren't they learning? There are people out there, there are fans, there are pundits, anyone can use this technology better than the referees can. And yet they're still in a job. Speaking of referees, the referee versus Tottenham was utter shite. Kept booking our players for nothing. And then there was one in particular, Mount got his ankle completely stamped on Again, stud showing nothing. The referee was out of his depth. But when all said and done, referees won't learn because they're not being punished for their mistakes. I've said it before managers get sacked, players get sold or dropped to the bench. What do referees get? They get a huge bonus at the end of it. And it's bullshit. I'm sick of having this same conversation, whether it's on here, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in person. I'm sick of having it. But it's got to keep being said because nothing is changing. These referees are getting away with shit decisions time and time and time again. It's wrong. 
there's either one of two things happening. Either they're completely incompetent and don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. Or they're corrupt and they're influencing results. It's one of the two. And yet I will go public with that accusation because it's the only thing that explains it. It is. It's the only thing that can explain it. Otherwise, if they're not corrupt, alright, they um they might not be. They might be. No one knows. But if they're not, the only other explanation is by constantly getting it wrong is incompetence. Which either train them in roles what they're doing or sack them. It's as simple as that. And as I said, they won't because they're the referees. They're untouchable. You can't even ask a referee a a question as to why he gave a stupid decision anymore. Slavin Bilic had to walk past the referee, right, to get to where the dugout is, uh, to where West Brom were changing because it was an away game. The ref booked him for asking him a question. It's not as if he went up screaming and shouting in his face. He asked a question. And it's... It's referees abusing the power they've got. They know they're in the spotlight. They know every eye is going to be looking at them. So whether they fuck up or whether they get a decision fantastically right... They know their name's going to be in the press. Not the players. Not the manager. Theirs. It's what we're all going to be talking about. It's selfish. It really is. And it's utter, utter bullshit. I can't wait for referees to either be good or be gone. It's as simple as that. Because, as I said, I'm sick of having this conversation, man. I really am. It's killing the game. And not not just VAR. But some of the decisions that, ref, that referees are making now. It's, it, it, it's a shame. Because the game has been untouchable for centuries. And all of a sudden... People finding so many flaws with it. It's it's heartbreaking. It really is. Because it's like that. Because referees are fucking idiots. If they just learned how to do their job properly. It wouldn't be a problem. You look at Europe. You look at VARs in the, VAR in the Champions League or... In any of the other leagues around Europe that it's used. They use it properly. There's no big catastrophic error week in week out. Alright, They might get the odd one here and there. That's a dodgy decision. But consistently week in week out. It's bullshit. But I whatever happens. Whatever I say. It ain't going to get to anyone. It ain't going to sit there and. Reach the the board of the Premier League to change their referees. It ain't gonna happen. If anything, what will happen is they just give them a fucking pay rise. 
But what, what can we do? What can we do as fans to stop referees getting the authority to get? Or so that they change in how they are? Because, alright, they can hear us once the game's done. Right, once they go in their little room and they can hear the fans, they can hear the players sitting there, if he's shit or not, they can hear it. So, they need to learn. That's the simple answer. They they just need to learn. But until then, I want to hear what you guys have to say on Twitter, mainly, where he found this link. Let me know what you think. And if... I hope people have a similar sort of feeling as I do because ultimately it's just one of those things where until we come together and unite and stand against it, it's just going to continue. But anyway, guys, that is going to be enough for me. Sorry that it is a long episode. We had quite a lot to cover today. I'll be back. Uh, What? Times I'll kick off tomorrow. Um, I might be back tomorrow, or it might be the day afterwards. Depends on what time the match finishes tomorrow. But I'll definitely be back within the next couple of days. So until then, people, I hope you stay safe. Good. Bye.